0: In the early 1980s, soul music ruled the South. DJ gods like Chris Hill packed out heaving nights in the East End and along the estuary. London rocked to Greg Edwards' best disco in town, and Essex was the capital of the Southern Soul Explosion. In 1987, a bunch of sunburnt DJs returned from a holiday in the Balearics. They started a club revolution that still reverberates today. Tong, Oakenfold and Holloway weren't charging a fortune for their services back then, but they were taking the West End by storm at nights like Spectrum, Love and Trip. Acid House was a sun headline away. The two scenes could not be further apart. But for a time, a wonderful forgotten time, these worlds collided and they did so in, of all places, North Wales. At a crumbling Pontins holiday camp, unchanged since the 1950s, the missing link between the traditional soul Weekender and the House Rave happened at a place called Prostatin.
1: Tunes continue through the morning. Prestatin Radio 105.4 and a bit. FM in stereo. The Stomp Frequency.
0: Before Prestatin, there was Caister. Here, the great DJs of the southeast soul scene amassed a crowd of devoted working class punters, hungry to escape the drudgery of Thatcher's Britain. The idea was to find a venue free from the archaic opening hours of pubs and clubs of the 1980s. Here, the shorts-wearing, whistle-blowing dancers would lose themselves in a the weekend of pure soul heaven. The post-war holiday camps provided the perfect location and holding the event off-season meant they could be acquired at a bargain price. They were big enough to house a couple of thousand punters, run down enough not to worry about the odd beer-stained carpet and most importantly, far enough away from the city to feel like a true escape. Powered by a group of DJs, self-titled The Funk Mafia, it was the beginning of a very British getaway. Watching and admiring from the wings of these early events were people like Nicky Holloway and Pete Tong.
2: Well, I suppose if you look at uh, the big names of DJ now, you know, your Pete Tongs, your Paul Oakenfels, the Judge Jorges, all those sort of names, back in the, you know, the, the late 70s, early 80s, the, the funk mafia were those guys, but with a different set of names.
3: And they were the leading DJs of the day and they were playing these these sort of rare records, these imports from America and um, it was just a whole, it was just, it was like opening Pandora's box, it was just a whole new world.
2: You know, I'd be looking over the balcony at the Robbie Vincents, at the Greg Edwards, at the, at the uh, Chris Hills and Froggies and I, I was like, yeah, that's what I wanted too.
3: Those early years with, with those DJs had a massive, massive influence on my life and an influence on, on, obviously, how my career went.
2: He created a whole kind of dance culture here, which was about dancing. People went to clubs to watch other people dance as well. They didn't all dance. Some people stood around and spent all night just watching punters dance, because people could dance really
0: well. Chris Hill was the godfather of the scene there, and it was with him and fellow DJs like Robbie Vincent and pioneering mixmaster Froggy that the Caster Weekends became legendary. But, after a few successful years, cracks began to show. By the mid-1980s, new forms of dance music were beginning to emerge from the underground. Electro gave way to go-go and then to early hip-hop. The soul purists, unwilling to welcome the new music, dug their heels in and the funk mafia splintered. New weekenders, first at Bogner, then at Barry Island, found new and old DJs suddenly appearing on the same bill. Some DJ names, who had yet to become rhyming slang for disaster, found themselves working with their idols. Two of those influenced by Chris Hill back then were DJs Lesgo and Essex Soulboy Wes, both of whom were early converts to the new look weekender.
4: I was in my early 20s around the first time I went to a Soul Weekend uh, without knowing too much about it, other than what you told me, Les, about Keister and uh, Boggs and some of the other weekenders. The big draw for me was just going somewhere you could drink and dance from Friday afternoon to Saturday night uh, without too much of a break.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, it was like living in Club World for three days. You were, you were spoilt, really. It was in a Buckingham or a ponting somewhere, and yeah, it was kind of scary.
4: It's in the middle of nowhere, that's why. Prestatin in North Wales was pretty much nowhere to us. I'd never even heard of it, to be
3: honest, until we went. Yeah, they, they seemed to get further and further away, uh, like Caister, Bognor, Barry Island, and then Prestatin,
0: wherever the hell that was. Under the banner company Livewire, entrepreneur Adrian Webb took all the best of Caister, a core roster of the old guard DJs, and, in a stroke of genius, mixed them with a bunch of fresh, up-and-coming names. The best of both worlds scenario meant that on the same bill as Chris Hill and Robbie Vincent were people like Pete Tong and Paul Oakenfold. It was the equivalent of seeing the Beatles and Oasis at the same gig. It was a risk, and probably driven by financial necessity rather than artistic merit, but whilst the pull of both ensured a sold out event, the jury was out on whether it could work. And as if preparing for the worst, it was decided the event be held at the arse end of nowhere. Prostatin, on the north Welsh coast.
3: I can remember the, the train journey. That was, that was something else. That was on the uh, suspiciously titled Soul Trains. Uh, which
4: were old British Rail carriages, probably used to shunt football hooligans around the country. Uh, But they've been commandeered for us, probably never cleaned since 1972.
3: Yeah, it was a really old train and old carriages, with like a walkway down the side. It was a bit sort of, I don't know, Murder on the Orient Express.
4: (laughs) In every carriage there was uh, someone in a boombox, blaring out an old soul tune or a a new hip-hop tune or so.
3: Yeah, I remember uh, one year we went, we'd hidden all our booze in a big poster we'd taken with the sheep written across it, and uh, we'd tucked it down the middle of it, thinking, yeah, we'll get away with this, and they'd stopped us and took all our booze off us. And it was about halfway there, and all these bouncers came through with plastic bags full of everybody's booze and sold it back to us. Cheeky
0: little buggers. Any doubts that leaving the hallowed turf of Kester would affect its popularity were soon dispelled when the first Prostatin was a resounding success and being a predominantly sold event seemed to suggest normal service had been resumed and the punters were happy with the predictability.
4: I was pretty OCD on arrival uh, at the camp. Once we got the programme of events from reception, it was like the week before Christmas, you know, ploughing through the radio and TV times to see where the DJs were, who was playing
3: live, what rooms to go to. Yeah, yeah, I think you need to see this, need to see that, you can't miss this, but th- there was always something that overlapped. And then once you got there, you kind of all went out the window anyway.
4: But after 20 vodkas or so. Yeah,
3: it's not as if it was a, a massive place. There was only three rooms to choose from, really, and that was it. So, y- yeah... Planning it out was always always a good thing.
4: And yet, you'd still panic? I still would panic. Um, you know, if I leave Peak Tong 15 minutes early, I can catch Froggy, and then as long as I don't have to stay for the whole set, I can make it over to open Fold, and I think I spent half my time just worrying I was missing someone else with a FOMO.
1: Things in the arena sort of rock all the way through till 4 o'clock this afternoon, where it closes for three hours break, rest and recuperation.
4: I remember the uh, wall-mounted heaters the only source of heat in a room which uh, depending on where it pointed, it would either heat the ceiling for no reason whatsoever or just one cubic foot of tacky carpet underneath, just no reason for them at all. Either way, not enough to stop hyperthermia
3: taking hold. The first thing you'd worry about is how far your chalet is or away from the main rooms and uh, yeah, you didn't want one near the outer fence. Especially if it was like bad weather and raining, you'd have to have to leg it through loads of other people's tenko blocks to get get to, your, uh, get to the chalet. And they were, they were pretty disappointing. They weren't lovely. They were rather grotty. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've gotten worse by the year by year. Yeah, all, all the blocks were completely identical, so you really couldn't tell them apart, especially on your way back late at night. you like, where am I? No idea where I'm going. I mean, you can't underestimate how old these chalets were. There was a, On the Buses was filmed there and that was probably like the early 70s, 72 maybe. And we were there in 1987 and they had exactly the same curtains. Hey
2: Jack, have a look at
1: that! cool Lovely, mate. Yeah. That's yeah. worth hanging about for. Yeah. lady butted in on me. And as you move into the bunker, we hear some jazzy sounds coming down. People are laid out over here. They're relaxing in the uh, in the atmosphere of the jazzy music. This lady here has got a very, very kinky lace outfit on. She's getting chatty up by some zero head over there. There's a few people getting there. This lady wants to say hello. What's your name, please? sorry. Oh, What's your name? My name. What is that, a D cup or an E cup? Culture star. Rioters listening, rioters listening. You're right at the
2: back.
5: always been right out
1: the back. Press that and make some goddamn noise.
3: Yeah, you'd go in and there'd be some amazing dancer on the dance floor already, usually called Clive. And uh, yeah, so you think, yeah, right, okay, I'm, get, I'm getting on with that. I'm getting on that dance floor. Sob the beard Well, no, actually, you'd have a few beers. And then be on the dance floor spilling it everywhere. Uh, a lot of dressing up as well. A lot
4: of fancy dress, a lot of blokes uh, wearing dresses. RuPaul, 20 years before RuPaul existed. Yeah, there was al- always blokes in dresses. Big bloke in a dress. So after my first prestatium, uh, I think that was prestatium two, uh, kind of a sole uniform of shorts and whistles was uh, everywhere.
3: Yeah, it was very, very laddish.
4: And then by Prostatin three, there was a shift. Music began to, um, well, want a better word, expand, and you could see that in the crowd. The punters seemed more club savvy. Uh, you could see that in the clothes as well, the dress-up jazzy crowd, hip-hop hoodie outfits, and all the and all those crowds and all
3: that music began to merge. Yeah, you've got all sorts of music uh, right across the boards, really, from deep soul, northern soul, funk, and disco and stuff, uh, and lots of Philadelphia and hip-hop. Uh, all the new electronic stuff, like house music and stuff, and electro. It, yeah, it was all bubbling under. And that was down to
4: um, DJs, really, who just played good music, despite its genre. Uh, if it was good, it got played, and this, at the time, was a precursor to what became Valeric, I suppose. Uh, in other words, you were playing anything to uh, anyone who would dance. If you made you dance, they would play it.
0: Yeah,
3: Chris Hill never would say that he was into one style of music. He was, if he said it was good, he would play it.
0: The story of the infamous Ibiza trip by the likes of Danny Rampling and Paul Oakenfold is now the stuff of legend. The core set of DJs who returned enthused and invigorated by the Balearic beats and soothing sounds of the Café Del Mar were the catalyst for an explosion in club culture. As profoundly influential as punk and the new romantics put together. But its timing is a more interesting story. Rampling and co had been experiencing the wonders of Ibiza since 1985, but it was in late 87 that his club Shum appeared. The underground Balearic movement was in full flow when the second Prostatin happened, and some of that influence was already trickling through. In retrospect, Prostatin had found itself a marvellous melting pot of the soul Goliaths and the Balearic Davids. But at the time, all the punters were interested in was recovering from the Friday night's party.
4: My abiding memory of Saturday mornings, uh, waking up on a Saturday morning. Yeah, really cold. Just cold. Cold. uh, And then the realisation of where the fuck am I? Um, Walk out onto the balcony uh, and look out over a sea of people, all lost, all having woken up in a stranger's chalets and
3: wrapped in lime green blankets, uh, walking around looking for their own chalet. Yeah, usually got woken up by someone with a random sound system playing some banging tunes at like 9.30 in the morning when you're really bleary eyed and uh, yeah you get very little sleep like three sound systems going off across the campsite and yeah trying to get uh, get, get the one bar heater to work the so
4: but one thing see? the chalets did have uh, was a piped through uh, like a cable radio a camp radio broadcast uh, which the weekend would take over uh, and the DJs would uh, just have this most amazing station they could uh, play their tunes on. It would have shows by all the main DJs appearing the weekend um, Pete Tong, Okafold, Dave Durrell, somewhere in there. We've got a great tape of Dave Durrell, all the big
3: soul DJs. Uh, and a wonderful morning show from Pete Tong and Jeff Young. Yeah, a pair of them would do, I don't know, 9 o'clock in the morning till 12 or something. And it was just so funny. Feeling They were obviously feeling a bit worse for wear, not much sleep and they were just having a right laugh in the studio, playing some of the best music, and uh, yeah, I wonder what the neighbours thought, because everyone could tune in uh, across sort of Prestati.
1: We're gonna dedicate this one to the waitress from the Primrose restaurant, who assures me she listens for the entire weekend, which is why the
2: service is a bit slow at the Primrose restaurant.
0: The phrase superstar DJ had yet to be coined. The soul DJs were famous amongst their own and were held in high regard by their fiercely loyal fans. But the new breed would take success to a commercially higher level. This was in part down to their involvement in not only playing but also producing the very music they championed. Something reflected in the number of acts that began to appear at Prostatin. Each weekender would feature a main live act on a Saturday night but the parade of PAs became a staple. Despite the light show and state-of-the-art laser effects, it was impossible to get away from the fact that these acts were appearing at a rundown 1950s Heidi High holiday camp. On Vogue, Delasol and Alexander O'Neill all trod those creaky boards, but nothing would compare to the sight of Public Enemy playing to a seriously hungover crowd on a Saturday afternoon in front of a backdrop of a 20-foot-high, badly-painted mural of Minnie and Mickey Mouse.
1: Yo,
3: And then, yeah, then it would be Saturday evenings and I used to love just wandering around, getting lost uh, and going from one room to the other. And uh, you'd hear like jazz in one room and soul in another. Sometimes it would cross over as well. You'd hear the same tune twice. But I just loved it. It was uh, the jazz room was not necessarily jazz, by the way. And uh, God knows why they called it the jazz room. I remember lots of Balearic being played up in the jazz room as well with uh, Nicky Holloway, Paul Oakenfold. And that was probably my first, first sort of encounter with Balearic music. <laughs>
4: Talking of a sum of love, generally being loved up, you could argue that the weekend was ahead of its time in that regard, as as I never saw any trouble at any of the weekends I went to.
3: Yeah, I, n- I never saw any bother at all. It was always really light-hearted, people just messing about. There was no bother ever, you know, all the way from Caister up through Bogner Barry Island, and Preston. I never saw a fight or anything, any trouble at all.
0: By early 1988, Paul Oakenfold had entered the London scene with his seminal mega club night, Spectrum. And with Holloway's trip, London was starting to see thousands flock to what was now being called Acid House. And so it was in the spring of 1988 that Prostatin III arrived, and with it, the two worlds truly collided. But instead of an abrasive rubbing, The weekend became a beautiful utopian mix. A club nirvana, where you could walk from one room playing soul to another playing acid, to another playing hip-hop, to another playing jazz. And you could dance to each of these whilst wearing the same pair of shorts. This may sound de rigueur for today's eclectic loving clubber, but back then it was unheard of. And along with this freedom of music came the shared love for their fellow weekenders.
2: There was no rules at all. They got a chalet or a caravan or whatever. And they and they behaved remarkably well. I mean, the one thing they didn't do was smash the place up. There didn't. There was no damage. There was no fighting. That was the amazing thing about all our events. There was never a fight at any of our events. Never. Never. I remember seeing any any kind of violence. And when you think that this was actually a completely multiracial audience as well, and I always think that, that, that our events and those events in the early days had a lot to do with. with um, Kids in this country growing up in a in a multiracial society and understanding the, the plus side of that. To this day, it's become part of like the history of the, the cultural history of the youth of this country. As a, a lot of people remember it in the same way that in twenty years' time they'll be talking about Ibiza.
5: Apparently, this is going to be uh, not acid-free, but uh, lots of acid. And uh... i easy to add that uh, excuse me, boys that uh, although there's a lot of acid music going on in this room, this room is a drug-free zone, as is the weekend uh, all over the weekend. It's been stressed in the national press in the last few weeks about uh, acid house music and the ecstasy drug, but uh, we've had it on uh, good good grounds from Adrian Webb that... uh, Prestat in Seoul weekend number four, Uh, although playing acid house music will be a drug-free zone, which uh, I'm sure the sun would like to hear, anyway. This uh, room is apparently going to be entirely different to anything that you experienced on the weekend, and to be perfectly honest, (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit apprehensive of actually going in this room. Excuse, excuse, excuse me sir where, where are you from? Real sunny real. Is this your first soul weekend uh? Pardon? Is this your first soul weekend? Uh? This is my first and it's sure not the last. Yes, that's it. All right. Two of the local punters there from Real. Yeah have a, have a nice time on the weekend. As you can see uh, everybody's making their way into uh, yes we get in there. you can tell it from a distance. This is definitely an acid room.
2: Definitely,
5: definitely. Yes, this is definitely acid now are we gonna go in or are we gonna uh, stay outside and have a little look at it. I can feel the vibes. I can see the hands in the hair, in the air. <laughs> oh dear. The spectrum is alive at uh, two o'clock on a Saturday morning and this is something that everybody like to experience on the weekend for at least five minutes I'm sure.
0: Check this out. This up. And so here it was, a moment in dance club culture that is rarely remembered and never mentioned but deserves to be now. The spring of 1988, a full three months before the official summer of love at Pristatin Sands Pontins Holiday Camp. Robbie Vincent playing soul, Pete Tong playing acid house, Chris Hill playing anthems, Giles Peterson playing acid jazz, Westwood playing hip hop, Paul Oakenfold playing Balearic Beats and Froggy mixing the average white band. Everyone dancing, no prejudice, no trouble, no preconceptions. Just joy at the musical diversity. Did this influence the London DJs and inspire the super clubs that were to follow? Maybe. Did it prove the final hurrah for the traditional Seoul Weekender? Undoubtedly. Was it a joyous moment that will never be forgotten by those who were there? Everything was brought to a beautiful finale. At the finale.
4: So, Les, what do the words, uh, port and brandy mean
3: to you? <laughs> that's, that's, that was my finale drink. Yeah, uh, usually by that time of the proceedings, I'd have a Rather dodgy tummy with all the yellow food and, and lagers and stuff. So my dad used to always swear by taking uh, uh, Port and brandy for an upset tummy. And it was also a very quick way to get drunk in the short time that Finale was on.
4: Yeah, because uh, it was only sort of like a few hours for that Sunday afternoon session. And um, it's funny because having spoken about the new music and the Move into the new musical phase of dance music and all this kind of thing. Sunday afternoon was the most traditional session.
3: Uh, we'll call back to the old Caster Weekenders, uh, soul, foam, and booze. Yeah, it was all the tunes everybody wanted to hear, all the things you could sing along to, I suppose. Uh, and some new ones dotted in there, but Chris Hill would, would command the whole sort of session the and last, the last afternoon. Definitely in his element, wasn't he? Uh,
4: leading a crowd to sing along, having a little dig at the location. I remember one of his songs. Uh, he made up included the lines, uh, where the fuck is Prostatin?", To which we'd all uh, sing the, uh, the chorus,
3: somewhere on the North Welsh coast. Because it was literally, um, uh, we had no idea where we were by that point in the afternoon, the weekend. Yeah, those, those finales were absolutely insane and yeah, you, 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 nothing could match up to that.
0: If Prostatin 3 in the spring of 88 had promised a harmonious future for the old and new music, it soon became clear that this was not to be the case.
1: We just uh, pan round. There's a couple of people over here with a STET uh, t-shirt on. Obviously, you were uh, getting a bit of trouble coping this weekend. No, he's not having trouble coping. His legs are just giving out. Uh, never, never trouble coping. But what are you sitting down for then? You know, it's all till four. So we're t- we're taking the time. You're pacing yourself. Yeah, that's it, that's it. This man's pacing himself. I believe him, thousands wouldn't. I think he's had it. Never. <laughs> never had it. This man's never had it. What about you, mate? What are these t-shirts, then? What's this, S-T-E-T? Stetsasonic, short for Stetsasonic. Oh, you into hip-hop, are you? this is the hip-hop move. No. We hate acid house, all right? We hate house to begin. Yeah. Too much too much house. It's House, we want to get rid of it now. This man wants to get rid of House now. Oh, Three Zones over here, alright? Yeah. Hip-hop only. Oh, Drug-free? Hip-hop. Oh, yeah. Cigars, but no drugs. All right.
0: By the time of the next weekend, Acid House had been big news and 808 State were on top of the Pops. Pristatin 4 was still an impressively eclectic mix of dance, but the tribes of music fans who had mixed so readily before began to stick to their own spaces. Breakout tunes could still be heard, crossing with the sticky carpets between rooms. Lisa Stansfield, PA with All Around the World was on the day she went to number one, showing that dance was now becoming pop and vice versa. Every generation has a moment in their youth when their club, their band or their gang is the coolest in the world. Sometimes these coincide with a pivotal movement in youth culture. The Mods, the Punks, the Soul Boys. And many have their seminal venues. Wigan Casino, The 100 Club, k But Prostatin Sands Holiday Camp, for one brief magnificent moment, held a party like no other. Two sets of DJs, soul legends and superstars in the making. An audience of thousands and a playlist that will never be bettered. This has been an FAB production. Narrated by Steve First. Sound and mixing by Les Dilby. Written and produced by Wes Gibbons.